Hey. Bonsoir, madame. Allô? Ça va bien? Oui. Je voudrais parler en français aujourd'hui. Ah euh, non? Pourquoi? <rire> Parce que... Tu ne parles pas beaucoup de français? Je ne parle pas français. <rire> That was very good. That was for our international listeners. I could also do my Quebecois accent if you like. Okay, speak Quebecois. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not racist? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Okay, good. Well, let's just stop there. <laughs> How are you feeling? Um, I feel a little bit iffy. Would you like to tell the listeners what's in your left hand? Yes. <laughs> I... Okay, <laughs> <Gate> drum roll. <laughs> I have a hot toddy. Which is basically hot water and copious amounts of alcohol. It's not copious amounts of alcohol. I have two tablespoons of brandy in it. Well, brandy's like a soft liquor. I don't know what it is. I don't know enough about alcohol to know. But I have that and honey and lemon and hot water in a cup. And I have newt and wing of bat. No. Why, why do you have a hot toddy? Because I'm feeling a little iffy. And <laughs> some nice um, southern ladies this morning told me that I should have a hot toddy. So I'm going to try it. Okay. Medical research breakthrough <laughs> happening here live. If AJ begins to slur her speech, it's because of the medicine that she is on. We've had, I was just thinking about this week. We've been so super social this week. Mm-hmm. We had dinner with our dear friend. And fabulous missionary, Shelley. We did. She's back in town from Cambodia at the moment. We caught up with Josh and Sarah. <laughs> we did. We took Sarah out for her birthday a mere two months late. Yeah. I mean, you know, no big deal. And caught up with Mason and Emily. We had great hibachi. I love hibachi. So do I. Food prepared for you with a show. Yes. And our guy was funny. He was great. He was probably the, one of the best hibachi people I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then we had yum yum sauce, which, which is I of mean, the Lord. Do you need to say any more yum yum? But it's been a rough week aside from meeting lots of people, which was yes. the good part. Yes. All our kids were sick at varying stages of this week, which meant yeah. you had to stay home Monday and Tuesday because I was teaching on boundaries at the school. Yes. Then you got sick Monday night, so I taught at Emanate Food. Yes. And then poor sweet Muggins got sick either Tuesday or Wednesday night and was up most of the night, which meant I was up most of the night with I, him just I was lying on my, my front. Sleep. No, you were not. Yeah, I got up at 5.13. He lay on my sleep. You did. When he, well, I didn't get him back into bed until 5. When he started crying again at 5.30, I was like, babe, <laughs> I just finally got to sleep. So you graciously. And then the girls up. came down with it on the weekend. So I didn't even get to go to church this morning, but I did stream it. And it was great. Yep. High definition and everything. And then we just streaming. Then we had Jared and Jenna's wedding tonight. We did. Which was awesome. We had to see lots of amazing people. We did. Which was so fun. Yeah, we got to see Tyler and Anna Lee. Yeah, his beard looks amazing. It you you're a big fan of the beard. They're probably in the running for you know one of Nashville's most beautiful yeah, couples. They're stinking gorgeous. They are yeah, ridiculously sure. gorgeous, inside and out. It's and then we stunning. picked up Steve Long from the airport. We did. We did. We did. Which was nice to see Steve and catch up with him tonight. Yeah, all this going on. A bit of home. Told amazing stories. Yes. And he's teaching at the school this week. Which is so great. And if you're listening to this on a Monday before 7.30 and you live in Nashville, Steve will be ministering at Emanate. Yes, and it sounds like what he's going to speak on is very interesting. I'm, I can't wait for tomorrow night. 
Would you like some listeners' questions? I would. Do you want to answer question one or question two? Um, I would like, to, I don't know. All right. I'll, uh, you can do number one and I'll do number two just for fun. All right, read me question number one. Question number one is, I can't really see. Uh, there we go. Um, it says, it's from Rachel Suzanne, and it says, I've been thinking about humility a lot. What is humility? I know Jesus is a good example, but if you could break humility down into bite-sized chunks, what does it look like? I think humility is simply agreeing with what God said about you. And there's a thin line between true humility and pride. For example, David is sent off by his father to go take some sandwiches to his brothers. And when he arrives at the front line, he finds out about Goliath. And so he's just inquiring like, hey, why are the the army of the Lord cowering when this Philistine comes out? And he's just genuinely asking, like he's just so confident in God. He's like, why are you guys chicken? They misinterpret what he's saying as him being cocky and arrogant. But he's not. He's just, you know, in touch with what God has revealed himself to be. He's just walking with his revelation of the Father, um, especially because we know that he's, the Lord has saved David from the lion and the bear many times. So he's just like, hey, guys, why don't you do this? And they misinterpret his confidence in God or his humility mm-hmm. for pride. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think humility is actually what we would call false humility, that sort of self-depreciating, oh, you know, I'm a worm or I'm whatever. And it's it's actually not a right understanding of how God sees you either. So, yeah, I think humility is simply believing with what God said about you and walking in accordance with that. And sometimes you'll be confused as not being humble. But a key probably to walking in humility, Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Right. So I think the mark of humility is the focus doesn't have to be on you. You're happy for the focus to be elsewhere. Right. But you can also handle other people praising you. And you're not quick to swat that down, which is that false humility thing. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. I'm not. Oh, no, I'm aware. The funniest verse, I think, in the scripture is where it says, now Moses was uh, the most mm-hmm. humble man on the face of the earth. And the person who most likely wrote that was Moses. Yeah, it is really funny. <laughs> All right, you ready for question number two? I think so. Question number two is from Justin. He says, hey, Alan, AJ, you guys rock. I love your podcast. Thank you. I'm called to step in a full-time ministry, but it seems like it has been difficult in regards to the area of provision and finance. My question is, how does God provide for the calling he gives us? Can you give me any insights from your own journey in pursuing full-time ministry? Wow. Um, I, I guess it's really, for me, I'd say you want to make sure you have God's timing on it, not just his calling to do it, um, because the timing is is pretty important as well. Um, when I got called into ministry, um, even though it looked really bad financially, when it actually happened, there was provision for me. So for myself, um, because uh, I I knew I was supposed to, in the fall, step into full-time ministry. This was of uh, 2001. and. Fine. Um, but I had a full-time job and a free car and a free... It just looked like a bad decision. Um, 
but I knew what God was speaking. And then when it actually happened, the way that it happened, which I didn't realize, I got laid off and I got, it was either 10 or 12 weeks worth of severance. And so I actually had several months worth of buffer in terms of finances to be able to step out. And the Lord really uh, provided I never went without. Now, I definitely had some tricky bits and some months where it was scary, but um, never where I didn't, I couldn't meet my bills. Although I do remember once not being able to buy groceries. Um, so you decided to fast. I did. That was, was very like, logical. I'm going to fast and I'm not going to tell anybody that I can't buy groceries. And actually I learned a really valuable lesson in the midst of that is that you're part of a family no matter what you're called to, whether you're called to ministry or whether you're called to work at a bank, you know, you're, you're, you're part of a larger group of people and those people that, uh, loved me at the time. One of my friends came over, uh, Jenny, and and she came over and she said, hey, um, you know, what are you doing and whatever. And and I was like, oh, you know, and she just really wanted to get in my house. She had a key, but she wanted to get in my house, get past me and look at my fridge. And I only had a ketchup bottle and lemon left in my fridge. I mean, I'd eaten anything you could eat. And she said, why don't you have groceries? And I said, I can't afford it right now. And so I'm just fasting. And she went out and got food and came back. And she said, part of being a family is we get to share each other's burdens and we get to love each other, you know, enough to, to help and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So there was moments where I learned great lessons at the low points. Um, but I think I would also say what God orders he pays for. Right. So I think that I had probably the low points and there wasn't that many of them in order to learn something either about God or about myself, or maybe not in order to, but I did learn something about God or about myself in the midst of those things. And I also think, Justin, in your question, you say, I'm called to step into full-time ministry. There's a big difference between being called and being commissioned. And you never want to get those two confused. So, you know, Jeremiah was called as a prophet from before uh, he was conceived in his mother's womb, it said. And most scholars think that he was probably approached by the Lord somewhere between 8 and 12, but then didn't start his prophetic ministry for a long time. You know, Jesus obviously was <laughs> the savior of the world. He, you know, he was called that before the foundations of the earth. And yet when he was born in the natural, he didn't start his ministry till he was in his 30s. And so if he tried to start his ministry before he was 30, uh, he would have been premature mm-hmm. and you know, he would have been like, hey, God, why are you not providing for my ministry? And the Lord's like, well, you decided to start your ministry without waiting for me to start it. So, And that's what I meant by the timing thing. I totally agree. Yeah, It's yeah. about commissioning. Yeah, some yeah. of it is, uh, you know, all timing. So don't get ahead in your schedule. And it's also about, like, if you feel called to full-time ministry, what are you doing now to sow in that direction? Like, you know, start doing the things that you can do now to serve people that are in full-time ministry and to... Um, you know, serve in small groups and serve in the in the places that maybe don't look as flashy and wonderful as you might think, but are actually places where you get to start to practice your gifts. Very good. All right. Our topic for this week is love. Nice, love. small topic, easily defined. Should be able to get through it in 10 minutes. No problem. No problem. Go for it. Go for it. Well, I thought it'd be fun because we just came from a wedding. To talk about, I guess, just some of the pieces of advice that we sometimes give at weddings and stuff like that, like things that we've learned that have been helpful. 
I'd love to do that. Before we do that, uh-huh. I wonder if you could talk to us about storge love. Because that's a foundation for all other loves. Yes. And when we talked about, you know, what we're we going to talk about in our podcast, we started talking about love. I thought about my mother. Mm-hmm. So can you give a quick one minute teaching or explanation rather on storge love and our Tupperware? Storge love. Okay. Yeah. Storge love is, um, well, storge is one of the four words that the Greeks use to describe love. So when we read the word love in the Bible, um, what we translate as love, they had four different words for that. So they had storge, um, phileo, eros, and agape. Yep. And um, storge was a family love or a affectionate love. It's a kind of love that you feel and you experience. And um, typically, you know, as a child, it's your first form of love that you come in contact with. You primarily receive storge love from your mom um, and from your parents, but first from your mom in the womb and, you know, with her rubbing her stomach and, and, um, and then, when you're, you know, outside of the womb from your your mom and your parents and your siblings and that kind of stuff. And storge love is experience not understood. So it there's three main ways that you receive storge love. That's through loving eye contact, loving tones of voice, and loving touch. So like tickles and cuddles and all that kind of stuff. You see that when a newborn baby gets rolled in a public place and people run around the baby like, oh my gosh, you're so gorgeous, you're so cute. And people instinctively reach for face, hands, and feet. Right. And they make eye contact and you start gibbering in some other language like you have no command of the English language. And that's storge love in action. Right. Babies, they, they suck it out of us adults. Right. That storge love, our mother's doing that and you know our close family that gives us you call it tupperware but basically a container in which to store love yeah that's denise jordan um describes it as it's what places within us a container that enables us to uh, receive and contain love so that later on in life when people are pouring out affection on us or pouring in love to us or we're now you know getting married and that kind of stuff we're able to receive and contain that it just doesn't just flow out through our feet like a bottomless pit, you know, it's that container is there. So I want to boast on my mother with that as your... You should boast on your mother because she's awesome. She is the Storge queen. Yeah. So I didn't know what Storge was till I heard you teach on it. And when you taught on it, I thought, oh gosh, suddenly my life makes sense. Because for those of you who know my mother, you know my mother is to motherhood like Bill Gates is to Microsoft or Steve Jobs is to Apple. Neither of those are good examples because Steve Jobs is now dead and Bill Gates no longer runs Microsoft. But anyway, there were the he founders doesn't? there. No, he doesn't. Nevertheless, my mother is amazing. And all I remember my childhood being was my mother covering us in affectionate love, just kisses, cuddles, constantly telling us we were amazing, always eye contact, always loving tone of voice, just amazing. And my, you know, my friends who would come over to my house would be on the receiving end of my mother's storge love. And so I was just thinking about the capacity to receive and send love comes from a full Tupperware container. Yeah. And we've probably all met those people that are difficult to love, not because of difficult people, but when you show them affection, when you show them love, it's like a sieve and it just goes straight through them. Right, and probably because they were never actually shown it properly as children. 
I think probably at the end of this podcast we should pray for people who are worried that they, their Tupperware is faulty. faulty. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of honour my mum, who's just an absolute storgy monster, which is probably <laughs> where amazing. I learned to receive such enormous love and which the father, of course my dad, you know, was loving too, but when I talk about the father, I'm talking about the, my heavenly father, who would just lavish his supernatural love and it would feel very similar to that storge container, you know, where you, you just get filled and overflown. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I, I love love. Do you know I find that when I'm alone with the Lord, my heart begins to overflow with love for other people. Yeah. Like I'm not a gushy, gushy person who sits and thinks about people. That sounds terrible. I really don't. You know, I just get on with life. But whenever I come into the Lord's presence... I begin to, and often when I'm falling asleep, I begin to think about people and my heart begins to overwhelm with love. You know, you'll have noticed that that often I'll go to bed and then I'll get out of bed. And it's usually because I'm connecting with the love of God and I want to go and be with him. But a lot of the times it's me thinking about people who I love or people who have loved me well and my heart just begins to overflow with love. Isn't that weird? It's beautiful. It is beautiful, but weird. (laughs) <laughs> especially when i'm trying to sleep <laughs> all right give me some practical steps for love you were going to do a whole lot of advice we give for people who are getting well, married i was thinking of stuff like you know when jeff dollar said he who apologizes first wins that's sheer genius right so just like little little tips like that like i was thinking today you know during the wedding i was thinking selfishness is the enemy of love you can't be selfish and be loving towards somebody at the same time. That's very true. What about you, baby? I, I'm all out of quick-witted, brilliant one-liners <laughs> about love. I find that hard to believe. Give me a second. Okay. That's too much pressure. Oh, I don't know. I was thinking this was going to be a back-and-forth thing, not the AJ <laughs> show. But um, I guess I would say, like... Stuff that we've said or stuff that we've passed on to people or things like, you know, learn what the other person's love language is and learn to speak it, which actually you're very good at. at, at uh, say that again, but louder. Which actually, you're very good at. That's right. Um, I would say you are much better at speaking stuff like acts of service to me than I am at speaking words of affirmation to you. Or I'm still very clunky at it. I have to think to myself, he needs to be affirmed. You did a great job, baby. <laughs> but even like, even though I think that in my head, I think saying something like, thanks, babe, this is awesome. Where as a words of affirmation person, you need actually each thing recognized to feel affirmed for it. Right. But I wonder if that's actually a words of affirmation thing or if it's a man thing. Because it seems like from some of the conversations I've heard recently of different teachings, it's a, it's a man thing more than a words of affirmation thing. Well, I think about when I'm doing, like this morning, I stayed home with the kids from church, and you're at church, and I'm thinking, what would bless you? So then I'm systematically compiling in my head a list of things that would bless you, and then I'm working through them. And somewhere in my head, I'm thinking... If you don't notice what I've done, I'm going to feel disappointed because it's all been intentional. It hasn't just been a byproduct. Like you being blessed 
isn't the accidental byproduct of me doing stuff. The only reason I'm doing this is so that you're blessed. But if you're doing it so I'm blessed, then shouldn't you just be happy that I'm blessed and it shouldn't be about whether I recognize every single thing? That's what I don't understand. Right. I, I think probably somewhere in my head I'm thinking I'm being intentional I'm being intentional to sh- to come out of my comfort zone and do stuff to show you that I love you. Therefore, you will be so profuse in your overwhelmment of that love that a natural overflow will be to tell me how awesome I am. So did I do okay telling you how awesome you were? Because I remember coming home and being like, babe, this is so clean and so great. And then I came upstairs and you'd done the beds and I was like, babe, this is great. But I don't remember you throwing me on the bed and jumping me. Oh, that's well, the ultimate. That's not words of affirmation. That's something else of affirmation. <laughs> My primary love languages are physical time and quality touch. That was stolen from the genius Josh Parsons. That is hysterical. Babe, what was the thing that I think it was Chip Judd said about? Essentially, it was like, make your life about serving the other person. Oh, yeah. Chip Judd, he's a genius. What did he say? He said marriage is a competition to see who can outserve one another. Yeah. I love that definition. Such a great I idea. like the line that you say that we stay in love because we're married. We don't stay married because we're in love. Yeah. That's from YWAM. I mean, that's something I learned on YWAM. And I, I didn't really understand it because I wasn't married. And right, I but like, now. It makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. When When... I love what Danny Silk says about, you know, you modify your behavior to preserve the connection. Yeah. So we have a connection because we're married. Yes. And that connection will vary in degrees of connectedness throughout the week, depending on stress, commitments, time, time, misunderstandings, great communication. You know, it will go up and it will go down. And the temptation is when it goes down is to believe the worst about your spouse. And the temptation is to just disconnect and go get your own love needs met somewhere else. Right. Right. Which isn't, of course, healthy. No. At that point, the greatest act of love you can do is step out and serve the other person. You know, modify your behavior. Right. When you least feel like it, basically. Right. Right. And that's what I think marriage is about. We, you know, I, we said this a lot. Marriage is about death. It is. (laughs) Marriage is about dying to yourself really, really quickly so you can invest in (laughs) someone else. As fast as you can. (laughs) Right. And I love Jeff's line, you know, he apologizes first wins. You know, you mentioned that earlier. But the whole thing is, I, rather than demand that my rights are met, I actually ensure that my responsibilities are being administered. So my rights, I'm kind of misquoting scripture here, is that I have a wife who submits to me. But my responsibility is to love you as Christ loved the church. Too often in marriages, I'll just complain I mean, the husband will just complain, well, my wife isn't submitting to me. You're like, yeah, you don't get to demand your rights. You just get to honor your responsibilities. Right. And vice versa. You could right. be demanding that your husband loves you, Christ loves the church, but actually are you, you know, submitting to him and are you honoring him? So that's been an interesting challenge. Yeah. And I think it's trick- tricky for anyone, really. I think love also comes down to being responsible. Making you know, the, a choice every single day. Right. It's the age-old thing. You said to me the other day, I think we were having a family day out, and it's like, I don't want to have a family day out. And you were like, 
suck it up. We decide to have three children. Right. So we actually, <laughs> I get it that you don't want to be a dad today, but newsflash, you are a dad whether you want right. to be one or not. So why not make a choice to be a good one? Right. And so sometimes love is just as practical as putting your big boy pants on and being right. present in the room. Yeah. Often it's just as practical as that. I think the idea that the warm, fuzzy love is what keeps you through 50 years of marriage is probably fairly naive. I think it's the love that you choose. It's not fairly naive. It's absolutely absurd. <laughs> but I think that, like, I still feel that warm, fuzzy love towards you. But there's, yeah, but there's so much more depth to but how there will much be I love days yeah. during the week where you do not feel that warm, fuzzy love. No. Like yesterday, you're managing three sick kids. Yeah. God bless and who came over to help you. I'm outside doing a task. That is way beyond my competence level. I've been working all day in the freezing cold trying to build that screen and porch. And I'm feeling like my saw is laughing at me. That <laughs> the screwdriver that will not work is mocking me. I'm just, you know, and so as a result, my frustrations are being expressed towards you who haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. And I can tell very quickly, oh, wait, I'm diminishing our connection. And yet you don't choose to lash out. You are just like, stay in the zone, stay in the zone. He's frustrated. He's probably as frustrated as I am. And that's maturity. But you're not feeling warm, fuzzy. You're just having to remind yourself, no, no yeah. he loves me. He's just having a bad day. And I'm choosing to love. I'm choosing to stay connected. But I also know that you're not doing something that you enjoy. And, you know, I can, I can see where that could create some tension for you. Right. But what I'm saying is I'm honoring your ability to stay connected even though i'm disconnecting because i'm frustrated it's got nothing to do with you you're just you just happen to be in the zone where i'm frustrated and i happen to be aiming at you which isn't very nice or very honoring or honoring but here's the great thing you can later apologize and just say hey i'm so sorry which you are amazing at say you, that again but louder <laughs> which you are amazing at you you came back in after you'd been outside for like what, half an hour or an hour or something? Oh, it was probably five minutes. I'm so good. Remember? Okay, sure. <laughs> five minutes. Let's go with that. Sure. And you just came over and gave me a hug and said, I'm sorry, babe. You know, whatever. And that was, I mean, that's it. We're good. I'm restored. I'm fine. You know. But I would also say that you have a fairly robust piece of Tupperware. Yes. And I'm not particularly emotive. No, you're not. Though I have my moments. Yes, you do. <laughs> so I don't know if any of this advice helps anyone other than to just say, we're all in process, I think. We are. What do you do if you want to love someone, but there isn't someone in your life that you can love? I'm talking about you want to be married and you're not married. How did you cope in the eight years before I arrived on the scene and answered your prayers? I think I tried to do well at the relationships that I did have as opposed to focus on the ones that I didn't. Well, that's very profound. So I did have a bunch of girlfriends that were, you know, very sweet and definitely gifts to me. And then a couple different couples that were the same, you know, just wonderful gifts to me. So I tried to focus on, okay, God, you know, during this season, this who's this is who's in my life and you know what my desires are. Right. So I'm going to enjoy the people that are in my life right now. Then I would also just try and sew towards where I wanted to go. So if there was, 
you know, people or marriages that I could bless in some way, I did that as well. All right. Why don't you pray for people? Okay. So for those people that are listening, why don't you go ahead and put your hand on your stomach somewhere? I always sort of imagine that container somewhere around your where your stomach would be. And then I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person listening today. And Lord, I ask that you would supernaturally um, either go in and repair the container that is there that can receive and contain love, or that you would just supernaturally replace the whole thing with an upgrade. Lord, I ask that you would, um, yeah, just fill in any holes or, um, and that you would increase the capacity for each person for their ability to receive love from you and not only receive it, be able to contain it. It doesn't flow out through their feet five minutes or two hours later, but they still know that they're loved and they're able to walk in that. And also when others in their lives are trying to love on them and pour love into them, that they would be able to receive that and not um, enter into skepticism or cynicism or anything like that. Lord, I thank you that you are amazing. And, and no matter what we've been through um, as children or adolescents, no, you know, no matter what we've um, suffered or what loss there's been, you can heal everything and anything because you're amazing and you're big and you know everything that's happened and nothing is beyond you. So God, I ask that you would really just pour out your healing on each person listening today. And Lord, that you would help us from this day forward, be able to receive from you in a new way and receive from those people that you've placed in our lives in a new way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to everyone who bought a copy of our Boundaries teaching. I hope it's going to be a blessing to you this week. And we will be here same time next week. (laughs) Have an amazing week. Bye-bye.